from turning a profit off the NFL's Thanksgiving matchups, which are more compelling than usual, to the best bets to make on this weekend's slate. And while some refer to this time as the holidays, in college football, it's known as Rivalry Week. On today's episode of The Winning Ticket, we'll navigate that as well. I'm your host, Bobby Kravitsky. Nothing but sharps on this show. I've got two of the best in the business here with me. I'll start with the face and voice you all recognize, a 28-year professional sports handicapper and a walking bucket from Sports Memo, Wager Talk, and Gambling.com, John Ryan. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Thanks for inviting Jesse Scholl on, too, because he is uh, he's red hot, too. He started out scorching hot in the beginning of the season, so I think the three of us will undoubtedly come up with some good betting advice and betting resources for the people who are viewing the show. Yeah, you say he's red hot. I say he's the Iceman. Jesse, thrilled to have you on today on the winning ticket. We hope it's the first of many appearances on this program. Just to let people know you can find his work at a bevy of outlets, including Sports Memo, Picks and Parlays, and Kappa Reviews. Jesse, thrilled to get your insight today. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Yeah, it's a good morning to you, fellas. It's a little later on where I'm at. I'm uh, broadcasting from Southeast Asia at my home in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand. But uh, love watching the football just the same. Jesse is the ultimate warrior. It doesn't matter early in the AM, late at night. He's on it to put more money into your pockets and your bank accounts. So we'll start with the NFL's Thanksgiving slate. First on the docket, the Bills in Detroit taking on the Lions in the city they never left. Jesse, the Bills are nine and a half point favorites in this one on FanDuel, among other places. It's listed at minus 118. Is that worth taking action on or should people stay away? I personally don't like it. I look at this game. Yeah, I think the line's about right. I, I would have liked the over if I could have got in before the line movement. I think it opened at 52. I expect it to be a high-scoring game. It's It's been bet all the way up to 54. So I don't think there's any value left there for me. I might go to the player prop market because we're expecting this game to be all offense, no defense. It's an indoor game on Thanksgiving. I could see a lot of points being scored. And that always gives you good value on individual players to uh, gain yards, score touchdowns, uh, receptions, rushing yards, what have you. Yeah, and I got to prop that I'll get to in a second. But first, John, what's your outlook on that nine and a half point figure? Well, I, I'm, I'm not as scared of it as uh, as most. I think Buffalo here is motivated a lot more than Detroit is. Detroit is coming off that tremendous Giants win on the road. And uh, by the way, that was my 10-star game of the year. It was one of the first game of the years that I ever coined that way because you guys know me. I don't like the hype. I don't like the you know, the, the, the BS that comes along with uh, saying game of the year and stuff because it can only lead to disappointment a lot of the time. So uh, we were fortunate with that, that win outright on the road. But I think this opponent here, I think you both would agree, Buffalo is much, much better than the New York Giants, especially the Giants played last week. And Buffalo – is uh, backed by a betting system that you're going to bet on road teams after they have beaten the spread by 21 or more points in total over the last three games. And with the game occurring in weeks 10 through 13 of the regular season, 77% against the spread for a 34 and 10 record. I think that alone puts me on Buffalo. And I might add, if you are a little cautious with Buffalo, then just do 50% pre-flop and then hope that Detroit with their offense, which is obviously pretty good, gets on the board first with a touchdown, and you'll be able to add that 50% that's somewhere maybe 7.5, 6.5, which is obviously better than 9.5. So that's how I would recommend playing this game. 
Yeah, so John's got the models that consistently cash in, and I look at it, and Buffalo's the second-highest scoring offense in the NFL, generating the second-most yards per game. Conversely, the Lions' defense, no one gives up more points than they do. Same goes for the amount of yards that they yield per contest. So I definitely think that this is ripe for a convincing Bills win, and it does help that they're not traveling the day before the game, that they've been set up in Detroit. But then when you look around and see that it's at minus 118, I just don't think that's worth it. So I'm going to stay off it, even though the Bills, they probably will win convincingly. And I think that pre-flop advice is sound, John. The prop that I like, though, is Gabe Davis as an anytime touchdown at plus 120. This is someone who has only had one game this season with less than five targets. He's a deep threat that averages 21 yards per catch. He's got five touchdowns this season, so it's not automatic. But that's why there's a plus in front of that 120 figure. And against this sieve of a Lions defense, I'm certainly willing to roll the dice on Gabe Davis finding the end zone. Love it. And then let's go to our next matchup on the slate. The Giants and the Cowboys, John, an NFC East showdown at the house that Jerry built. What's your read on this matchup from a betting perspective? Well, you have to give credit to the Dallas Cowboys who really, really beat down the Minnesota Vikings who were viewed basically by the betting community as being a little bit overvalued with just one loss on the season. And that loss was to the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. But I think they got more than slapped across the face. Dallas now playing with all kinds of confidence. Jerry Jones couldn't help himself and uh, put him out there as Super Bowl uh, contenders. And not only that, but champions this year. So I think against the Giants, who are coming off a terrible loss to Detroit, as we had already mentioned in the previous uh, game, I think the Dallas Cowboys roll in this game. I would just I would just bet it right now. The Giants are 21st in points per game scored. The Dallas is 7th. Dallas is number one in points allowed per game. So they have a significant advantages across the board. And I could take 15 minutes and go over every single metric in the models, but I'm not going to do that. Just trust me on it. I think Dallas rolls in this probably as much as they did over Minnesota. Jesse, do you agree with what John's saying? Not entirely. Um, I think the easiest way to lose money in betting the NFL is betting based on what happened last week. And of course, the Cowboys are coming off one of the more impressive games we've seen them play in a long time, whereas the Giants are coming off one of the least impressive games we've seen them play in a long time. Uh, I didn't get to the window on this because I'm concerned about some injuries for the Giants, but I wonder if the Chicago Bears might have given uh, the Giants a blueprint for some success against this Cowboys team a couple weeks ago when they ran for 240 yards and a pair of touchdowns against the Cowboys with a mobile quarterback in Justin Fields. We know Danny Dimes can run the ball as well. Um, you know, nine and a half is a big number. And uh, if, if you made me play this game, I'd probably take the points. Jesse, what you're saying goes hand in hand with what I'm about to bring up. And that is the prop bet that I like for this one is Saquon Barkley to hit the over at 74 and a half rushing yards. You can grab it for minus 114. This is a Dallas defense. You talked about maybe the Giants have the blueprint courtesy of Justin Fields and the Bears. The Cowboys defensively ranked 27th in total rushing yards allowed per game and 26th in rushing yards yielded per attempt. Barkley is averaging 21 carries to the tune of 95 yards. He's also, you talk about not overreacting from week to week, which usually we can't help ourselves with that in the NFL. Barkley's coming off his worst game of the season, 
15 touches, and he only translated that to 22 yards on the ground. That's an average of 1.47 yards per attempt. I expect a bounce-back game for him on national TV against a division rival that struggles to stop the run. And for the Giants, you mentioned it, the formula for them to get a win, which I'm not convinced they will, but if they are to pull it out against the Cowboys team that is known for face-planting in big moments, then the formula is to run the rock and control the clock. So if you're looking for a prop bet from this game, I'd point you in the direction of Saquon Barkley rushing for over 74 and a half yards. I like that one, Bobby. I'm going to add C.D. Lamb for the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is a little bit low, 76 and a half yards, minus 114 at Unibet. I don't like the minus 114, but again, shop around and get the best line you can. This is the best line at 76 and a half that I see. Most of them are, some of the bets uh, are 78 and a half. So by comparison, would you pay 78 and a half at Bet Rivers minus 113 or 76 and a half minus 114 at Unibet? Obviously, Unibet has the best line right now for that over if you like it. Yeah, John, I think that's a great take right there. Let's get to the final matchup on the Thanksgiving schedule. Jesse against the Patriots team with well-documented offensive struggles and injuries up front. They might be without center David Andrews and will be down right tackle Isaiah Wynn. Do you trust Kirk Cousins to come through in primetime? Uh, I don't put any stock into uh, losing streaks on primetime. Kirk Cousins is a professional. He's played playoff games. He's won plenty of big games in his career. I'll take you back to that game when he was playing for Washington and the reporters had been in his face giving him giving him hell for a while. And he won that game and came up to the camera and said, you like that? I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, Absolutely. But, but Kirk Cousins has got that kind of spirit. He's also got one of the best wide receivers in the game, one of the best running backs in the game. I like the coach. I like the fact that uh, the Vikings are coming off an absolute shellacking. They, first of all, they beat the Buffalo Bills. Then they come and toss up hot garbage against the Cowboys. Uh, this is a good spot for them to, you know, get right against a Patriots team that got really lucky last week in a 3-3 game with five seconds left. You return a punt, punt to beat the Jets. I mean, talk about luck. I think this is the letdown spot for New England and the get right game for Minnesota. And I'm, I'm really not buying into the whole idea that Kirk Cousins can't win a game in, in a prime time. I'm not buying that. John, from your vantage point, is this a game where Belichick has all the answers defensively and the Patriots run the ball well enough to win? Or for an offense that has the second lowest conversion rate in the red zone, they not have the firepower to keep up with the Vikings? Oh, I, I think it's a combination of the two, Bobby. I do think that the defense uh, proved last week. And uh, as you know, the Jets, in my opinion, are a team that has not reached their potential. Last week was obviously... Not a good day, but the defense had a tremendous day. If you look at their statistics, they more than deserved to win that game had the offense done anything other than gaining 103 total yards. So I think with the defenses here, I'm going against my good friend and pal Jesse here. It is rare that we do go against each other, but I do think Belichick is the X factor again. Minnesota was humbled. You know, it wasn't just a loss. They literally had their faces ripped off. And even at the pro level, you know, you, you see some college football, a team loses, they're 8-0. Oh, oh, my God, we lost. And maybe we're not as good as we think we are. And I think that seed has to be going through Minnesota's head right now. And uh, going up against uh, Belichick, to your point, Bobby, he's very good at taking away their best asset. And he's 
got a team that is not anywhere near as talented as previous editions, but that defense right now is the reason why they are in playoff contention. And um, I like the points here, and I would sprinkle the money line. And with all due respect to my good friend, Jesse Scholl. The Patriots right now, as well as the defense is playing, and I'm not saying that they're bad by any stretch, at the same time, I think they're a bit unproven. I'd like to see, this is one of the first real tests that they're going to have, certainly in quite some time. And they didn't fare particularly well trying to contain Lamar Jackson. Belichick has a history of struggling against mobile quarterbacks like that. And obviously Cousins is a a different breed than Lamar Jackson, but there's just so much firepower on this Vikings offense. And even if you can take away one weapon, can you do it while stopping TJ Hawkinson down the seam and Adam Thielen? And by the way, the part of the Patriots defense that I trust the least is them stopping one of the better ground games in the NFL in Dalvin Cook. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Patriots perform in, I would say, their stiffest test of the season. And then offensively, I I think what we saw Sunday is not going to change, at least not significantly. The injuries on the offensive line compromised the operation. And to go from Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator last season, so forget what you think of him as a head coach for just a second, but to go from that to Matt Patricia, who's also the offensive line coach, so he's in way over his head and has these two responsibilities on his plate. And Joe Judge, when you look at what they're dialing up schematically and their sequence of play calling, including, for example, when they went for it with an outside toss on fourth and three, two straight runs that went nowhere to the left side, they just, they're in over their heads. And that doesn't help out Mac Jones or an offense that lacks blue chip talent. So I don't think that the Patriots offensively have enough to hang with Minnesota. But then again, as you're talking about here, there is the Bill Belichick thing. Jesse, I put a little bit of stock in Kirk Cousins' primetime track record and some of the meltdowns that he's had. So it's certainly possible that what I'm saying right now looks foolish when this game gets underway. But there's just more for me to buy into on the Minnesota side of this equation than the Patriots. And at minus two and a half, I'll happily play the Vikings. And then let's get to the NFL Sunday slate. Jesse, when we look ahead to it, what's a wager that you think is likely to turn a profit for people? Well, I'm looking at the NFC East, the division that we always used to call the NFC least. Uh, you got the Cowboys and the Giants and the Eagles. And then in last place, with a winning record, the Washington Commanders. Uh, this looks like the best division in football. Uh, Washington's on a roll. They won five of their last six. Uh, this team's got a lot of spirit after making the change of quarterback. Uh, Taylor Heineke has officially been given the role of the starter. Uh, you know, he's wearing the the getup, the Kirk Cousins gold chain sunglasses getup. Uh, t- obviously, the team is really rallying behind him. Um, you know, coming into the year, I was looking at the statistics, Carson Wentz versus Taylor Heineke, and it didn't really make sense for them to go and pick up Wentz. I mean, his completion percentage, yards per completion, uh, touchdown to interse- interception ratio, all roughly the same as Heineke. But Heineke had already come in and, and won some big games for them. And uh, I think that change is uh, is going to help them continue to keep rolling. Getting Chase Young back is going to help them. Of course, they're playing Atlanta at home this week, and Atlanta's 1-4 and four on the road. They lost Kyle Pitts for the season. 
uh, it looks like a real good spot for Washington to keep on rolling. Yeah, I think that's a great read there, Jesse. I'm on that as well. And then we have the Ravens taking on the Jaguars in Jacksonville. I like the Jags at plus four here. You can grab it for minus 112. The metrics are really similar across the board. Baltimore scores 24.8 points per game. Jacksonville produces 21.6. The Ravens give up 20.9 per contest. Jacksonville, it's 20 and a half. The Jags, they have the ball more than Baltimore and generate more yards, which is encouraging for this proposition. They also have a higher turnover rate, though, and a much worse third down defense. So that's where you might get burned. But on both sides of the ball, in most categories, the metrics are comparable enough that at plus four, I'm willing to take a chance on the Jags and sprinkle, as you like to say, John, some pizza money on it. I love it. And then let's get to college football rivalry week. Can't wait to see how all this unfolds. Obviously, there's playoff implications on the line. John, we'll start with you. What's a matchup that piques your interest? I was going to surprise a lot of people who have been following me over the years because I'm on a big, big favorite here. And it does behoove you to use the inline game. Maybe you do uh, 70% pre-flop and then add the 30% in-game. But I also do not think Georgia Tech is going to score a lot of points against this Georgia defense. If uh, BetMGM or somebody would give me odds of a shutout, I I would put pizza money on that. So if that becomes available, I I like that bet as well because it will probably be in that 250 to plus 300 range. And I think that is worthy because Georgia now, as uh, you know, before we went on the air, Jesse accurately said they don't run the score up on anybody. Well, they saw last week three of the four teams were lucky to win, including Ohio State, including Michigan, which got an unbelievable call there at the end to help their cause. And I don't, Georgia's not going to mess around, even though it's a state rival, even though it's Georgia Tech who they outman massively in the roster category, they, it's not going to matter. And it's not going to embarrass Georgia tech if Georgia would put up 60 on them. So I think this line at 36 and a half, I believe it is right now is pretty cheap. It's also backed by a system here that has hit 67% over the last 10 seasons. And then has a subset I'll get to Then on home teams from week eight on out, the home team is averaging between 190 and 230 rushing yards per game. The visitor are also pretty good on the ground, but averaging only a 140 to 190 on the ground. That's typically of an average NCAA football team at the Division One level. And that home team being Georgia allowed less than 100 rushing yards in their previous game. Georgia Tech needs to run the ball. I don't see how in the world they are going to get anywhere close to 100 yards, and that's going to make it very difficult for them to move the chains. That set of parameters – 49 and 24, 67% last 10 seasons. And if our home team is a double digit favorite, which Georgia obviously is, 21 and 9, 70% last 10 seasons. Guys, I'm on the Georgia Bulldogs here in a serious way. John, fortune favors the bold. I love that pick. We'll see if they can throttle down. And I think it helps the cause here that they're in for a long layoff before the college football playoff. So this is a chance after, like you said, a nail biter over the weekend, this is a chance to get right and get tuned up for the final four. So I think that helps the cause here. And then I understand that you have a double dip, another game from this weekend slate that you want to get into. I do. And it's a, it's a rivalry that you don't really recognize as a rivalry. And I'm pulling it up right now. It's Penn State hosting 
Michigan State, that's at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. They're an 18-and-a-half-point home favorite against Michigan State. Uh, this line before the preseason probably would have been about 9-and-a-half-10 against Michigan State, but Penn State has two losses. Guess who they're against? Ohio State and Michigan, who play this weekend for essentially the Big Ten title and essentially for a guaranteed spot in that college football playoff Final Four. But Penn State still has a lot to play for. And say, for example, two teams come out of the Big Ten in that college football playoff. I mentioned uh, previous shows where it could be two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams, depending on what USC now does and TCU, of course, and even Tennessee. But Tennessee's not playing a conference championship game, but they're going to end up more than likely with one loss. So there's going to be a lot of consideration here. I'm not saying Penn State's going to be in the talk for the Final Four, of course, but if two teams go from the Big Ten, guess who goes to the Rose Bowl? Penn State. And that would be a pretty good matchup, probably against a team called UCLA, and that would be a lot of fun to watch. But with a win, Penn State gets the 10 wins. Their recruiting is really getting better and better each year under James Franklin, who's one of the best recruiters in the land. And I won't belabor the point, but when was the last time Vanderbilt was in a bowl game? James Franklin was the coach. So I rest my laurels on that. I think Penn State being on the last home game of the regular season, Sean Clifford's last game at home for Penn State, a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. I think they just blow them out. It's a compelling case, John. We'll see what happens there. And Jesse, I love the game that you've picked for us here. It's certainly one that... You know, I, I lean towards and have some interest in as well. Why don't you, I won't even touch it. I'll just throw the lob and get out of the way. You detail who you got and why you have it. Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, Civil War. It hasn't really been that civil when these two rivals have played each other. Uh, it might surprise a lot of people to learn the home team has won straight up in six of the last seven head-to-head. Uh, Oregon has actually lost quite a few times to these uh, Beavers. And this looks like quite the letdown spot for Oregon after uh, they upset USC last week. Uh, I had a pretty good Saturday. It would have been a phenomenal Saturday if my bet on US or U- Utah had a cash, sorry. Um, and I bet on Utah because Bo Nix was on one leg. He couldn't run. He was limping around out there. Uh, Oregon didn't get anything done offensively, but neither did Utah and uh, didn't didn't work out for me last week. But now they're on the road at the Beavers, who are 14-3 and against the spread in their last 17 home games. Uh, If you're trying to wrap your head around how this Beavers team could shut down one of the best teams in the Pac-12, I'll take you back to earlier on this season when they played USC. They were winning outright until the final minute of the game. Uh, The Trojans had to engineer an improbable come-from-behind win with a touchdown drive at the end of the game. In fact, I will tell you that they were guilty of holding and uh, the the refs weren't calling enough penalties on them, and they probably should have lost that game outright. But they did hold USC to a season-low 17 points. Caleb Williams in that game threw for 180 yards on 16 of 36 passing, didn't get the touchdown until the final play. Uh, and that was a healthy Caleb Williams. Now they get an, you get Oregon coming in with an unhealthy Bo Nix. This really looks like a spot where Oregon's going to uh, get upset by the Beavers. 
Yeah, Jesse, I think you've got the right read on it here. I wouldn't say that Oregon State's defense is underrated. I would say they're unknown to most, but certainly I think they're not just playing well, but they're starting to really hit their stride here and are probably playing their best ball of the season on that end. So I, I like this Oregon State squad. Bo Nix, we still don't know how much more improved he's going to be compared to how compromised that wheel might be. So it's going to be interesting to see how much that combination of what the Beavers can do defensively and what Nix's limitations might look like, how that plays into slowing down this high-octane Oregon offense because they've been amazing to watch this whole season, but now you look at it and there is a clear path here as you laid out. So I'm with you in a rivalry game where the Beavers have done quite well and they come in as the underdog. I like that as well. I think there's a strong case for going to the window and backing the Beavers in this one. The matchup that I want to bring up, we have 13th ranked Notre Dame taking on number five USC, battling, scratching, clawing to get their way into the playoffs. I'm on the Trojans in this one at minus five and a half. You can grab it for minus 110. USC is generating the second most yards per game. They have the third highest scoring offense in the country. And Caleb Williams, to me, is the Heisman front runner, and I don't see him losing his grip on that. He has a 33-3 to touchdown to interception ratio to go with the fifth best quarterback rating in the nation. And he's thrown for nearly 3,500 yards this season. He and Dorian Thompson-Robinson put on a show last Saturday at the Rose Bowl. Williams had 470 yards passing, two touchdowns, and a 176.9 rating. This is now the toughest test, though, that him and the Trojans have faced this season. This Irish defense, they are legitimate. I take nothing away from them to make my argument here. They're giving up just 20 points per contest. They're 17th in the country in yards allowed per game. They're only yielding 187 yards through the air. So we'll see if Caleb Williams, this is a chance to cement his Heisman candidacy, if he can capitalize on it. At the same time, when I look at this Irish defense, they have not faced an elite offense since their season opener against Ohio State. It's been the Syracuses and the Clemsons of the world. And so it's not surprising that that's the case, just one elite offense on the schedule. It doesn't mean that they can't contain USC. At the same time, I think this is a game where the Trojans put up close to 40 points, and the more that Notre Dame has to rely on Drew Pine, the harder this game becomes for them. And I think the relentless nature of that USC attack allows the Trojans to pull away at some point. And even if Notre Dame gets it to within one score late, I ultimately think they're going to lose by at least a touchdown. Great breakdown, Bobby. I got a question for you, uh, Bobby. Are you concerned about uh, the Trojans' 24 to 4 turnover ratio on the season and can they continue to win the turnover battle do they need to i don't think they need to win it against notre dame because that offense of the irish it's just you know it's solid i wouldn't say it's bad but it's nothing to write home about and when it comes to i do expect usc to turn it over caleb williams he was outstanding last saturday he also had a horrendous interception where he didn't see the linebacker and he threw it right to him in the first half. But that offense is so explosive that they almost always have overcome, you know, the fact that they're good for a turnover or two per contest. So I do think that'll happen once again, especially against this Notre Dame defense, but I don't think it's going to stand in the way of the Trojans winning and covering. Yeah, I do like the Trojans this week. I, I, 
I wouldn't consider betting Notre Dame. I'm just a little concerned about how uh, how fortunate they've been with the turnovers. And I I think at some point that they've got to have a game where they, they can't count on winning that turnover mar- margin so well. Yeah, and I don't know if they ever will have a clean game this season. And I would say that whether it's in a high-stakes bowl game or they ultimately get into the college football playoff, that's where I could see them losing the turnover battle and not being able to overcome that in the win-loss column. It's a good point. I'm going to keep an eye out on that. And I, In fact, I, uh, I look forward to seeing them in the playoffs for that very reason. Yeah, I remember we talked, a few, we talked a few weeks ago, John, on the Predictive Playbook, your show, about what our playoff predictions looked like. We brought up Oregon's name, among others. And I'm curious to get your take now, John, because there's still a few teams on the outside looking in, but have their path still intact. Who do you ultimately see getting into the Final Four? Well, you, you got Ohio State and Michigan playing each other, and obviously it's going to depend on whether it's a three-point win by one of those two teams or a 21-point win and dominating fashion because that could eliminate the loser uh, dropping down to the fifth spot. I think USC, if they can take care of business here, and not to counter the turnover thing, Jesse, but they have an offense that is very rare. They can turn the ball over three times, four times even, and they have the offense that can overcome that. And that's the, the only reason I discount that turnover, which you're absolutely right. They are they are due to give up more turnovers than the opponent, and it just might be this week. But if they win dominating uh, Notre Dame, LSU more than likely is going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. That gives them three losses, so they're not in. And what if TCU stumbles? That puts USC right in there, even if Michigan and Ohio State end up being in the Final Four, no matter what the final result is. So USC seems to have the best path to get in there. They just have to be very, very impressive in their wins. So we're saying TCU, Georgia, USC, and the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State? Yep. I think if Ohio State loses, the committee will want to put them in regardless of a loss. Well, that's, yeah, I agree with that. That's why I mentioned the two Big Ten schools could still be in. I think if Michigan loses, though, I think their their strength of schedule is so poor, they don't have much of a case. Agreed. Yep. It'll hurt them, but if they're competitive in this game, if it comes down to the wire, I still think they'll be in the running for it. It's a conversation the committee will have to have and consider putting the Wolverines in, even with the loss. But like you said, the strength of schedule might be what knocks them out even more so than a loss to the Buckeyes. What I'd like to see if I could pick and choose is I do feel like Michigan deserves to get in. I'd rather see TCU knocked out as impressive as that was to beat Baylor with so much of their offensive firepower on the sidelines. And I'd like to see USC get in. I wouldn't mind just swapping them in the uh, TCU, but at the same time, there is a good chance that TCU wins out and ultimately makes its way to the Final Four. And what do you think about a scenario with LSU winning outright the SEC championship with two losses? Would Georgia still be in? They've got to be in. If they beat Georgia in the SEC championship, then you have to put them in. Would Georgia still be in? Yeah, I think they are the best team in the country. You have to put Georgia in. Absolutely. And then if, if Ohio State uh, or if Michigan wins three, uh, 27-24, is that the matchup that could be possible? Two Big Tens against two SECs? 
Only if TCU loses. Yeah, that's the thing, John. The T- TCU controls its destiny. So ultimately, they shouldn't stumble. I just would rather see them get knocked out and USC get in that way. Who Who is TCU set to play in the Big 12 championship game? Are we, are we, uh, can we predict who that's going to be right now? Yeah, I think we can actually. Because if it's Kansas State, Kansas State was whooping them earlier in the season until they got their third string quarterback coming in. And, uh, you know, I mean, at this point, Kansas State looks like they could, you know, they got a solid chance of whooping TCU, in my opinion, if they're healthy, a healthy Kansas State team. It does look like it would be a rematch. Either going to be Texas Longhorns or Kansas State. If Kansas State would lose, I believe Texas has the, the tiebreaker. So then that would be a rematch. Obviously, TCU's in no matter what. TCU's in. You know, they should beat Kansas. And then if they play, whether it is Texas or Kansas State, Kansas State is compelling. Texas, I'm not ready to buy into. I would expect TCU to win that. A rematch with the Wildcats, though, Jesse, yep. that's where we could get. Maybe it's two spots that open up, depending on what happens with Ohio State and Michigan. And Kansas State with two losses is not going to get in, even if they are the Big 12 champion. Exactly. Well, that wraps up this edition of The Winning Ticket. But before we go, John, we'll start with you. The stage is yours to promote any work you want to share and let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Thank you, Bobby. Well, you can get me at thepredictiveplaybook.com and also a lot of content over gambling.com. I do sometimes three or four quick hitting videos with a betting system, betting angle, and bets that I do give out to clients. They're not just throwing, uh, okay, I'll put this game up. They're real stuff, and they have very highly profitable betting systems that have stood the test of time and that you can write down and record and track yourself forever. So we're uh, getting a lot of views on that. Uh, Like I said, I'm coming off that 10-unit game of the year winner in the NFL. Things are rolling quite well, 28-8 and 20-8 in the NHL even. College basketball, 71%, and it goes on. And um, do yourself a favor and, and just, you know, take a test drive with me. I'll make it worth your while. John consistently comes through for people. So if you're not following him, if you're not checking out his content, just know you're making a huge mistake. And I can't say it strongly enough. Rectify that immediately. And Jesse, the floor is yours. Well, you can find me at jessieshul.com. And uh, if you sign up for my newsletter there, you will receive a weekly email uh, with all my video spots and all the YouTube uh, videos I've done throughout the week. So you don't miss any of these free picks that I'm giving out. And uh, yeah, I had a great start to football season. In late October, I was hitting a combined 80% with NFL and college football. That percentage has been whittled away a little bit, but I had a huge weekend last weekend to get back on track. And I did give out the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors plus 325 on one of these shows, and they won outright against UNLV. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself heading into this weekend. Like I said at the top of the program, nothing but heavy hitters on this show. Jesse is a sharp among sharps in a walking bucket. Absolutely follow him, tail his picks, take them to the window, and reap the profits. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today, whether you found us on Believe.com, the Winning Tickets YouTube page, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It goes a long way. For John Ryan and Jesse Shule, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. This has been The Winning Ticket. <laughs>